Was it good? The movie? Um, it was pretty dumb, but it hit that like so dumb it got enjoyable threshold a couple of times. So it was it was I had a good time. Is it Kyle Drogo that's uh, Aquaman? Because uh, it looked like him on the uh, the Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, Jason Momoa. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's. I thought I recognized him on the poster. That's like the sum total of everything I know about the movie. Yeah, he was really good, and canonically, he's a masshole because the okay. like the lighthouse that his dad grows up in is in Maine, and Aquaman has his first little childhood experience at the Boston Aquarium. I see. So yeah, totally claiming him. Throughout the movie, there's a bunch of like tender, heartfelt moments that are interrupted by explosions. <laughs> playing new orleans so what even happened they they got the wild card spot in the playoffs yeah what happens is that there's uh in in each conference there's six playoff teams and the top four are the uh the winners of their each little divisions of four and then five and six are whoever has the best record after them okay and philly grabbed the sixth spot i believe and then they went up to chicago one of the division winners and Played a really close game, and Nick Foles played like shit in the first half, and then did just enough in the second half to lead him back to a late comeback, and then at the very end, Chicago had their own late drive. Had the double doink? Yeah, and had the, the kick at the end, hit off the upright, and then off the crossbar, and was no good, and it was heartbreaking if you were a Chicago Bears fan. And that was like the last possible moment of the game? Yeah, that was the very last play of the game. Oh, wow, holy shit. Yeah, I guess I can see why everybody is shitting about that then. Yeah, I always thought that if your kick hits the upright, it should be worth one point because that's pretty hard to do, and it is kind of impressive. And I mean, if in that in that way, if your kick hits the upright, it should be worth like 20 points. It's got to be hard. Hitting it has got to be harder than getting it through the hole. It, it hap- it's been happening a lot in the last couple of years. It's been kind of freaky. Hmm. But yeah, there welcome to Shroom for Two, the podcast about... Uh, NFL playoff action that was almost a week ago from your point of view. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor, a resident of the city where people won't shut the fuck up about Nick Foles. Yeah, uh, let us be the most recent to wish you a happy New Year's and a happy... Happy double doink. Yeah, happy double doink to everyone over in Philly and... To everyone except Chicago. Yeah, and uh, best of luck against New Orleans from... uh, tomorrow or uh, this weekend from your point of view yeah i mean so the um really my only exposure to that stuff is on the r philadelphia subreddit and i knew that something was up when uh they stopped constantly shit posting about gritty which they call grit posting to instead shit posting about nick Foles and the double doink i'm a weirdo and i'm actually rooting for the cowboys because my dad was a cowboys fan and uh, I know that, like, Cowboys fans get a bad rep for being a bunch of obnoxious assholes and boomer bandwagoners, but, like, he was the only one I knew, and he was fine about it. So, step off. Maybe it's just because that everybody that I grew up around liked the Eagles and hated the Cowboys, but, like, is Eagles versus Cowboys, like, specifically a thing? Oh, yeah. Or? Big time. Okay, so, like... And consequently, I was raised to hate the Eagles. Oh, I see. So it's, like, a blood feud? Pretty bloody, yeah. Interesting. I wonder if they climb uh, greased telephone poles in Dallas. Yeah, have they finally put back all of the ones that got knocked down last year just in time for them to get taken down again? 
Uh, yeah, they did that in like a day or two. There was only, I think, one fell over. All right, cool. This is not the game that this podcast is about, so let's That's move true. on to that part. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, now that it's 20 Fry Teen, uh, we're going to be talking about some videos that Fry'em Up did. So uh, on Fry'em Up's YouTube channel, um, there's a pair of videos went up a few days ago. They are called Top Plant Decks Every Hero and Best Zombie Deck All Heroes. Uh, so that's just like basically he said, let's go through every hero and play what I think is the best deck. Um, or at least a deck that he is confident is really, really good. Whether it's like the actual best deck, I think is probably a little bit more up in the air. Um yeah, I think in some of these cases, it's, like, a deck that he played on stream previously in the last year. So, like, there's some that are kind of weird oddball decks that, you know, like, still good enough to win on ladder for sure. Yeah, and they all seem very solid, and uh, and they're pretty cool. So we've got a couple decks here we're going to talk about. So, Mike, uh, why don't you talk about your first deck? So I guess I'll start with the first deck from his video, his uh, Green Shadow, Onion Rings, Shooting Starfruit, Savage Spinach hybrid of... A uh... bunch of stuff making use of the very powerful... Uh, Mega Grow build around me's Savage Spinach and Onion Rings. Yeah, and some good uh, quality leafy plants in there to give more spinach targets and just trying to make Starfruit big however you can and just ride that to victory. And yeah, that looks really cool. And if you can live long enough to live that dream, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, It seems a little janky, to be honest. I agree completely. And um, oh yeah, I guess that's the other thing that happened since the last show is Seems that a lot of us got our weekly bonus heroes changed to something else. And uh, mine was moved over to Green Shadow, so I've been laddering a lot with Green Shadow. And I've been doing really, really well with a slightly modified version of the aggro deck from the Smarty Aggro episode, where I took out two of the Spyruses and added a pair of Grave Mistakes instead. And I've been tearing up the ladder with this. I at one point won 18 games in a row. A couple of days wow. ago. It wins incredibly fast, and it's very reminiscent of his uh, Grass Knuckles deck, which runs like a very similar tempo P package. Right, sure, sure. But he gets to run a Sting Bean instead, to a way to evolve a Gatling P in the water lane, which is neat. But this one's really cool, that too, because like, we're both running Rotobega and Plant Food, which is, like I said before, a mainstay in any Green Shadow deck you make. It, it is awesome. But uh, I prefer running the uh, the Gross Room, the 3-mana 2-1 that buffs the thing with 2-2. Two, two. And instead of uh, fertilizer, instead of fer no, instead of the pea patch, the two two that you f ah, fuse okay. the thing onto it. But I think that's a leafy plant, so he's running that for. It is a leafy savage. plant, yeah. But yeah, green shadow aggro is pretty good, and this is the kind of deck where sometimes you even do five damage to the face on turn one if you get the superpower. You just to blitz them down faster. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're you're trying to kill them on turn five instead of like set up your combo on turn five, like with Fry's deck. For for grass knuckles, at least the. Sting Bean turning into a Gatling P in the water lane, like, seems like the reason you do that is to deal 5 to the face. And I guess, you know, it could really be 15 to the face if they don't have a blocker there. If 5 to the face is what you need in order to close the game out, you would be a lot more likely to be able to get that in at the beginning than the end. You know? That, like, if you think that you're going to get overpowered by turn 5, then you might as well get the damage in at the very start. Or if you're looking at your hand and you're seeing you have a Rotobega to follow it up next turn, and that's another 4 damage in one block meter hit, you're doing the math in your head trying to add up that 20 damage super fast. Yeah, counting to 20 is a thing that uh, aggro deck players uh, need to get good at in most games, in fact. Indeed. Um, okay, so I will talk about one of uh, the decks that Fry had in his zombie video. 
Um, I think it was pretty cool. The uh, the Smash deck, uh, it was a Hunting Grounds deck. And interestingly enough, three of the four Beastly Zombie decks that were showcased in this video had Hunting Grounds in it. Um, Hunting Grounds seems to be something that Fry is kind of all in on, which is cool because it seems good. But it also was kind of surprising that it was so many of the decks that included it because, you know, as we've seen in battle episodes of this show, and as I'm sure you all have noticed on the ladder, it is possible for Hunting Grounds to kind of just go wrong. Like, if they can just profitably play creatures in the Hunting Grounds lane and your dude doesn't hunt, um, then it can feel a lot like a two-mana do-nothing. But there was a cool deck in there uh, that I wanted to talk about. So uh, the Smash deck here, he called something less cool. I call it Goat Rodeo. It's a euphemism for disaster in a lot of ways. And this deck looks like kind of a disaster when you see it. It's a Cat Lady deck, but it's got zero-cost goat. It's got 4x of the Camel Crossing, which like I don't really like playing. But it uh, just seems to say... What you want to do is turbo out a giant cat lady and then copy it with a synchronized swimmer. You could imagine a turn one cat lady that survives over to turn three um, being able to spawn like a 7-4 or a 7-2 probably synchronized swimmer on the th third turn if you've really gone all in. See, I think that Camel Crossing is actually kind of a great card for pet decks. Like, I think that that alone is why I think the Smash is the best pet hero because it is exactly the kind of thing you want. You want to give your Freddy Cat and your Zookeeper a little more life. You want to you wanna make your field a little more reinforced. Like, I, I think it's perfect. Well, but I mean, in this case at least, several of the creatures in the deck don't actually really benefit from getting the health buff. So you have the Goat, which is, like, maybe it will live one extra turn when you when you give it the buff the plus o plus two but you need to go deeper on it than that in order for it to really work out for you it just seems like the goat part still has the potential to go wrong and then with hover goat and the yeti two other things that feature prominently in the deck they just bounce themselves and so then they don't get to keep the bonus because when you replay them uh they're not buffed anymore and so it just seems like a very fragile operation to me, but it also looks like it's really fun and a way for you to like totally own all over your opponents uh, and have a crazy game story come out of it. Um, and I think that's a fun thing to do with card games. And so I thought, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. And sure enough, you can get uh, some, some pretty damn big synchronized swimmers uh, from just sandbagging a few cat lady triggers. Um, you know, you can even go like cat lady, goat, maybe another pet, and then play the synchronized swimmer all the same turn on turn four, and then end up with a six, four in the water lane. Uh, and that is, you know, for two mana, that's quite, that's pretty good. Yeah. And the fact that cat lady starts out with four health is a really strong number, especially in the water lane, because it gets you out of range of berry blast and it just makes it really hard to kill without like a sham rocket or doom shroom. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, this is a deck that can kind of fold to a single well-timed Shamrocket. Uh, that's unfortunate, but, you know, that's just kind of the, the game you're playing when you choose to play a, a fragile deck like this. Um, and, I mean, going viral is very good at getting your glass cannons to actually kill them. Um, you know, all you have to do is survive the single attack by one um, in order for uh, going viral to allow you to trample over. And, you know, if you don't really have burn in this deck... But you do have the ability to um, to place a very large threat in the water lane that's harder to block. Uh, and so just getting a single chip in from, you know, an oversized cat lady with a going viral buff is is often enough to allow you to win later. Good stuff. I also um, played with one of Fry's decks, but inadvertently earlier uh, last week, Super Brains was my other 10x hero. And I was getting sick of playing Hedra Gigantic 
I tried to make a deck to fit Superbrain's strong suits, and I also ended up making a Raptor Trickster deck. And so I've been playing with that a little bit on ladder. Mine is a little bit different. I'm running some uh, some different early game creatures. Fry's only running the Imposter, which is good because that will uh, proc your Raptor when it dies. But uh, I'm running Fireweed and Imp Throwing Imp and Smoke Bomb to like give myself a little more uh, reason to move things around. And having the uh, Barrel of Barrels means that the Smoke Bomb can turn the chicken into like this crazy field clear machine. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. There was... Um... In the zombie video, there was another cool deck that I wanted to shout out that I didn't build because I didn't own enough of it. Um, I you know, would have had to make some substitutions that would make the deck less good, um, and so I decided not to, not to give it a shot. But in the zombie video, uh, the HG deck is called Conjure Leap, and so it's a Conjure HG deck, but it also runs 4X Evolutionary Leap, um, which is something that I think I'm not used to seeing. Uh, and it basically says, well, you're playing these value creatures that give you either extra brains or or a good card to conjure um so you, you know you've got the cosmic scientist you've got brain vendor to support this stuff um you've got mixed up Gravedigger to revile that stuff you've got pogo bouncer and you've got what's the the one three one drop that turns into a three drop what's he called interdimensional zombie interdimensional zombie yeah there you go um turning into a three drop says like hey you should evolve me again so i become a four drop and it just looked really cool like he was um Definitely having a blast while he was playing it, and he just absolutely crushes uh, the player he pl plays against. It just seemed like, you know, if I owned 4X Transformation Station and 4X Evolutionary Leap and stuff, um, I definitely would have given that a shot. Yeah, I messed around a little bit with Evolution stuff in Immortitia, but I never thought to combine it with a mixed-up Gravedigger, Pogo, and Dr. Spacetime, because that also, like, the getting that extra reason to run Brain Vendor is phenomenal, because, like... Just running it alone with Evolutionary Leap and Transformation Station is pretty dope, but even being able to buy it back and get three brains extra on the turn you mixed up Grave Digger is... Yeah, that deck is incredible. Well, yeah, like in the video... I mean, spoilers. So in the video, um, one of the zombies gets evolved into a zombie king, which then turns some other random zombie into a Knight of the Living Dead, which costs seven. Uh, so then he evolves it again into an eight. He gets a Plank Walker. And it's just like, oh yeah, two-cost Plank Walker that draws you a card. Seems pretty strong. And uh, one deck that I want to give a shout-out to real quick, back on the plant side, is the uh, the Wall Knight deck. It's a healing Wall Knight, but it doesn't run the regular combo of Heart of Choke and Venus Flytrap Planet. It instead relies on a win condition of, like, Walnut Bowling and getting Pepper MD super jacked up from Allosaurus and then using Sunstrike. And also there's Cobb Cannons. It's just a really cool take on a healing deck I haven't seen yet before, and... I was really questioning running for Allosaurus until I uh, watched him get in the fight and then saw that he got like a 10-10 and a 12-12 Pepper MD on the field at the same time. It was phenomenal. Oh yeah, no kidding. I mean, Allosaurus has a rate that is basically as good as, what do you call it, Wingnut? Basically as good as Wingnut, meaning that like the stats that you get for the, for the cost are just through the roof. Allosaurus has the added benefit of that just means that it has that much damage to soak up and constantly heal away, you know? Pepper MD was getting plus four, plus four, plus six, plus six a turn um, just because you got a few free heal triggers off of a single Allosaurus. So yeah, I mean, this deck, I was also surprised that it didn't have Heart of Choke, but it did seem pretty sweet. Yeah, I might have to mess around with that once I get a little more walnut pulling and allosaurus action. Yeah, I mean, that was another one that, sadly, I was just kind of like, it was a little too rich for my blood. Um, you know, I don't have any walnut bowlings. I only have one allosaurus. It's not really in the cards for me, so to speak. Huh. But it definitely, like, 
you could see that he was really enjoying it when he was owning all over that opponent. Okay, and then the last thing that I wanted to uh, give a shout-out about was uh, the Barry Spadow deck that ended up looking pretty different from a Barry Spadow deck that I would make, um, even though it has a lot of sensibilities that align with mine. It's a Barry Spadow deck that also has, you know, kind of the Galactic Cactus package in it. So you've got, you know, a Pear Cub and stuff, you know, to take advantage of the pings. You also have Fireweed, and there's another way to ping your your uh, Pear Cub, and you've also got... Um, hibernating berry and stuff but then in addition to the hibernating berry he also has piconolith as just like a five cost seven power thing that will smack him um, it also can randomly make your hibernating berry super big but he brings it up as a way of saying like this is also uh, insurance policy against just getting valkyried um, you know valkyrie will only ever attack for six when you have piconolith out and i i was like aware of that but i guess i hadn't really considered using Piconolith in that sort of defensive way. Like, berries are so good at killing that they don't really need Piconolith's help. Like, a when I think of a Piconolith deck, I think of a deck that's built around it that's got a lot of, like, water chestnuts and primal walnuts and stuff. But this was basically just Piconolith dropped into a berry deck almost as, like, a plan C that actually serves a very useful function. And I thought that it was a cool piece of deck building. Not only that, but considering... Turn four, you throw down a Sergeant Strongberry. The zombie player is probably going to put everything they have into killing that. And then being able to just tempo out what is basically a 7-7 on turn five is... That's a big-ass chunk of damage. And, like, combined with big block meter hits from, like, Pear Cub or Hibernating Berry or Bullseye Damage from Cactus, that seven damage can get them into, like, Berry Blast lethal range. For sure. The the fact that you've got burn in the deck means that um, you need to land that many fewer haymakers in order to get it done. And yeah, I mean, he said that Barry Spadow was like kind of on the short list of possible best plant decks overall. There were a few that he said, like, maybe Cycle Cap, maybe... Um, he was big on the Rose one. I think that was his like The Rose one, one yeah. Bullet, yeah. Um, but it, it was definitely on the short list for like, if you play this, you're going to win a lot. Um, and uh, And I can see where he's coming from. That deck looked pretty sweet. Yeah, I run a similar Spadow deck, but more on the splash focus side, where I'm also running uh, the Dinosaurs and Forget-Me-Nut and Photosynthesizer instead of the Berry Package. Sure, sure. But yeah, I think like even after the Berry nerf, Spadow is going to be just fine. Agreed. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week. Is episode, what, 64? Shroom for 264 on the Nintendo podcast? Yeah. Yeah, so thanks for joining us again. Uh, we'll be taking next week off due to our combined birthdays happening. So that'll be cool. Your favorite podcast co-hosts will be officially old. We'll both be 30 by the time you hear us again. Uh, okay, speaking of other things that are going to happen, we're still on the lookout for some uh, Gravestone Neptuna decks. Uh, we need a few more of those before we can do a crowd decking segment. Um, so if you got one of those, you can share it with us at either shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com uh, or in the Shroom for 2 Discord channel on the, the PVZ Heroes Reddit discord server there's a shroom for two channel uh you can post it in there yeah come hang out with us and say hi and uh share your decks and your stories and everything and uh also yeah. subscribe to our youtube channel we are at oh, yeah that's right shroom for two podcast we are closing in on 100 subscribers and when we hit that we can finally get a custom url and i also feel good because we all like base 10 numbers here exactly we're uh only only three orders of magnitude behind um prime up at this point so you know we got some catching up to do yeah. Uh, we're also uh, kind of in a dry spell for actual listener mail. I think that, you know, being able to just kind of talk to us in the Shroom for Two channel has probably um, suppressed people's uh, desire to send us actual emails. 
Uh, but we still do like getting those. Uh, so if you'd like to send us some actual listener mail to shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com, uh, that would be very welcome. Yeah, give us some questions about, like, whatever, even not about the game, because, like, we'd, we'd like to have enough mail stockpiled again to do an, another mailbag episode soon. Um, I mean, I would have, I would prefer that it be about the game and not, like, you know, what's your favorite cheese? Um, I mean, I do like cheese, but this isn't a podcast about cheese. Well, until our podcast about cheese, this has been Shroom for Two, our podcast about PBC Heroes. And I've been Mike. And I've been Taylor. Have a great week, everybody. Happy 2014. The dungeon has like kind of a level of difficulty, which seems to set some boundaries on on that stuff. Um, but like there's shit in the hallways that you can encounter. Sometimes it's a monster. Sometimes it's a, like a, a thing for you to open up. Sometimes it's like and it seems like most of those things that you can bump into in the hallway are like kind of have a blue option like an FTL where it's like if you have this thing, then it's better for you. It'll be like it'll it'll require an item of some kind where it'll be sure. like. Oh, look, it's a poisoned whatever thing. And if you have like some medicine to dump on it, then suddenly it's good instead of maybe good, maybe bad. Um, and so I found this thing that was like, you know, kind of a creepy looking brazier that a, clearly a torch is supposed to be in there. And uh, it, it seems kind of evil and maybe you shouldn't fuck with it. And I'm like, uh, OK, well, I have extra torches. I guess I'll put a torch in there. And apparently what that does is immediately teleport you to the final boss. Oh, fight. my God. <laughs> Um, and then you just get, and where it's like, it's pitch black, you're fighting against Cthulhu or whatever. And then like, you're, you're just fucking die. Um, and, uh, so like that, apparently if you see a creepy hole in the wall, don't put a torch in. Wow. That is, that is um, a pretty cool feature. That I learned.